It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Lindsay Ubra. Lindsay is Chief Executive Officer of Preferred Hotels and Resorts and a member of its board of directors. Since joining the company in 2004, Lindsay has helped solidify the position of Preferred Hotels and Resorts as an iconic global hospitality brand, a preferred partner for independent hotels, and a trusted resource for travelers seeking an authentic, independent luxury hotel experience. Before joining Preferred Hotels, Lindsay was an account executive at Ambassadors International, a global meetings and incentives company. And before that, she was a management consultant at Accenture. A graduate of Wake Forest University, Lindsay has traveled to more than 100 countries. Lindsay Uberoth, welcome into the corner office. It's great to speak with you. It's great to be here. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's great to have you here too. I know you're in beautiful, you're in beautiful Southern California. I'm in cold, wintry uh, Connecticut today, but uh, at any rate, it's uh, uh, great to be at least somewhat connected to the West Coast. Or, or are you indeed on the West Coast? I'm assuming I you am. Are. I am actually at home today. You're at home. Very yes. nice. Great. Well, it's great to have you here, and I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to you. Preferred hotels and resorts, as we found out from our last conversation, is one of my preferred, you know, uh, partners. And uh, I don't think we knew that, or I knew that right away, uh, that I'd been attending uh, or going to one of your lovely hotels up in the Hanover, New Hampshire region for many, many years. And uh, it's just wonderful to be able to connect with you and and to hear your story. So let's dive in, uh, Lindsay. We always like to talk about the early years. And tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what your early family life was like. Well, I was I was born in Tarzana, California. So right, I would have I would have would have been a valley girl had I said we stayed. Uh, lived a you know really simple traditional life. You know, uh, played 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 soccer. You know, it was uh, cool. you know pretty pretty simple life. Um, mom and dad, about, what do they do? Uh, and mom and dad. So my uh, my father has always been in the travel industry. He mm-hmm. worked for a right. company that's now. Carlson Vagonley Travel, but it was uh, it was ask Mr. Ask Mr. Foster Travel, and then oh sure, remember got, that, yeah, yeah, got acquired by by Carlson, um, right. which uh, led us actually to to move to Minnesota. My my mother, when they met, was was a flight attendant, so so they. I always say I was. So I was she's born, in the travel business for sure. <laughs> uh, she is. I was. I say I was born into the travel industry because she was there pregnant with me when uh, when she was flying. Nice. Um, but but then who did she uh, fly for? 
TWA. TWA, yeah. Gosh. TWA Airlines. Famous. Yeah. Road so death. after uh, several years of, of being in California, um, Carlson was actually located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Right. So my family relocated to uh, to Minnesota when I was in fifth grade, Whoa. which was a big transition. That to was go a from... tough move, I can imagine. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Those you know, winters from, from are a, brutal From there. a weather standpoint, <laughs> tough, but from yeah. a, a growth standpoint, great. I was, imagine. nobody believes me now, but I was a pretty shy child. So, mm. uh, so that move, um, I I'd say was kind of that transition point from, um, being a, a very painfully shy child to, to transitioning to having to make new friends, having yeah, to adapt to a new awesome. environment. So, uh, and the Midwest the move to Minnesota is so great, actually, you know, up, just the Midwestern oh. values and, you know, people so kind and nice and, uh, it must've been a wonderful place to grow up. It was. So we spent yeah. three years in Minnesota, okay. um, absolutely loved it. And then um, after, I think, three three tough winters, uh, we made the decision <laughs> to actually move back to Southern California. But now we move right. back to uh, to Laguna Beach, yeah. and um, which which was another great transition. However, I was, um, I, I was going to a brand new school. They didn't have a graduating mm. class. And uh, my father got asked to go run Hawaiian Airlines. So oh, wow. when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I actually moved to, to Hawaii. Oof. I moved to uh, Oahu. Tough, tough, tough time to move, but not a bad place, <laughs> right? Huh? Again, you know, I think these are all things that help shape, shape who sure. I am in the, in the long run. It was, yeah, uh, yeah. I never had any, um, visions of, of living on an Island, but it was actually a great move for me. Oh, awesome. Um, awesome. but you know, a nice melting pot of a uh, right. lot of cultures, a lot of tradition. Yeah. And, um, so that's Brothers and I've sisters, been... Lindsay, are you an I, only child? I do know. I've got, I've yeah. got a younger brother, younger uh, brother. Casey. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a great childhood, you know, awesome. we, the, the moves made life interesting and, and challenging. And uh, I think. And did your mom continue to fly and, and be a stewardess while um, you kids were growing up or did she focus on home life? She, she, she focused on home life until mm. we moved to Minnesota. And then she actually went back into the travel industry and mm. she ended up running, um, she did a couple things. One was uh, where universities or uh, organizations like, um, Museums, you know, where they they run these they run these international travel programs. It's a right. lot of how they um, they keep their alumni in, engaged. It's how they do um, you know raise money for their foundations, and um, so she was actually she would customize these programs for nice. organizations like that. So she was traveling internationally. Um, wow, had her own business doing that, and then transitioned to do this for companies like BMW for people who want to go buy their BMW overseas and drive it oh, around. And yeah, yeah. Um, so she, she very quickly got back into the travel industry when we were old enough and, and uh, she had a little bit more flexibility with her, her yeah. schedule. Cool. Well, clearly beyond inspiring you to go into the travel business, mom and dad, you know, <laughs> living that example, what other kinds of things do you remember growing up that, that might've stood out for you, mom and dad and, you know, their work ethic or perhaps how they raised you or lessons that you learned uh, in those early years? Yeah, I mean, they we we had a great upbringing. I mean, I think mm. some unique things is we we traveled from a very young age and we traveled internationally. So I definitely remember that as being a, a core of our of our family. And that mm. my parents, when we would travel, they would give us my brother and I. It was a different world then, but a, a lot sure. of trust and autonomy autonomy to explore. You know, they really wanted us to understand the currency and learn the basic few words when you you know hello yeah. goodbye yeah. thank you where's thank the bathroom you, you know those sort of yeah. things. Uh, from a work ethic standpoint, my parents 
actually from a very young age, um, taught us not only the value of, of earning a dollar, but, you know, they wanted us to work and whether that was, um, paying us to do things like, for example, wash the car. Hey, they, we could take the car yeah. to the car wash or we can pay you to do it, but we, we're going to pay you based on you doing a good job or, yeah. um, you know, helping them. You know, I remember in Minnesota when we lived there, we'd get these huge weeds in the summer. You know, so so <laughs> early on, before you could uh, call it officially work, you know, we they would give us jobs where they'd say, we could pay somebody else or we'll pay you. And so I remember that at a pretty young age. And then awesome. when I had yeah. the ability to actually get a job. Um, I, you know, was, I always enjoyed my summers, but my parents really wanted us to understand what it was like to work and, yeah. and earn money. And yeah. so That's that great. was instilled very, very early on. Yeah. So I think between yeah. travel and, and this concept of, um, you know, chores are one thing, but then it was really just sort of, if we're going to pay somebody else to do it, but, we, but you could do it, we're willing to pay you right. instead. So. Right. Did you find that the international travel, Lindsay, as well, provided, you know, good cultural understanding that that helped you later in years in your management, you know, having a chance Absolutely. to meet different people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, often. now, especially running an international business, right, um, right. you know, you, you understand and appreciate different cultures, but you also understand and realize decisions. that we're all very similar. Mm-hmm. We might speak right. a different language. We might, um, you know, we might enjoy different types of cuisine, but the people that you meet at the end of the day are mm. just like you, having the same right. sort of experiences. And it just opened my eyes. And I think as yeah. I uh, move through life and definitely in leadership, um, a lot of the biases that you might have if you just watch the news or just read something kind of dissipate and you have a lot more understanding of, mm. of kind of this global melting pot that, yeah. that we all live in. Yeah, absolutely. Who or what else uh, were maybe some of your early inspirations in life? Was there a favorite uncle or a grandma or maybe a, you know, a a friend of a a parent of a friend that uh, maybe had an impact on you in those early days? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had family members. I mean, outside of my parents, my cousin Heidi, who was about 10 years older than me, and Mm. she's still a very close friend of mine, gone on to be be very (laughs) successful. You know, she was a, a, a great mentor somebody I looked up yeah. to that's ultimately how I ended up going to college where I did my my uncle oh. Peter a uh, huge mentor who taught her father yeah, yeah he taught me a lot of a lot of important lessons um nice were and, they in the travel business as well um my Didn't uncle feel. has always been involved in the travel business my cousin was always more involved in sports okay. she um worked for ESPN went on to work for the NBA so that was that was really her path, and then I also remember a, you know a teacher a teacher and a swim swim coach you know Miss McNally mm. and a swim coach named Ernie who I think just at a young age um, really took an interest in me um, you know I were just people that I I, I trusted and and instilled a, instilled a lot of confidence in me yeah and I those think first that, touches are important aren't they yeah you know, it's funny absolutely how, how we can de- reach back forty fifty years and remember their first names absolutely. And, uh, you know, the kind of impressions that we, we can have as well on others. Um, what about uh, school? Were you a good student? I, I was always a, I'll call it a pretty good student. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did well at the things you enjoyed, perhaps? Yeah, my, my parents always hated when I said I read some article that said all C students turn out to be great leaders. But uh, <laughs> I was always, I was good, but I think I was, I was a good, healthy balance of being a mm. good student, but I was always really involved. So I was one of right. those, those 
students who like to be involved in a lot of other things. Well, you mentioned I think, swimming. So did, did you compete at the high school or college level? I, I, I competed all the way until I got to high school. And okay. Punahou, where I went to high school, was very competitive. I mean, they, yeah. they've produced some Olympic athletes. And that wow. was when I think I realized I wasn't going to be an Olympic swimmer. But um, yeah. so, I, yeah, I swam my entire life up until about my junior year in high school. Awesome. awesome. Sport, any other sports or music, yeah. theater? What kind of things did you do outside? Oh, I dabbled in all sorts of things. I I yeah. played soccer. Um, I played volleyball for a few years. But nice. when you're my height, you know, your career is a little limited there. But, you know, I was always one of these people that was willing to try a lot of sports. Um, you know, I was involved, you know, young. I was involved in gear, Girl Scouts. And nice. when I got to college, was or not college, high school, I was involved in a thing called peer counseling, right. which was a really neat experience. So. Yeah. Cool. What about entrepreneurial things? I mean, you mentioned, obviously, mom and dad had you for some odd jobs. Were there things that you did on your own, you know, helping out in the neighborhood, babysitting, paper routes? Uh, we had one CEO <laughs> who, who folded the papers for her older brothers, right? You know, she okay. got a penny of paper back then, and that was yes. a lot of money. Uh, I definitely did that? lots of lots of babysitting, for sure. Yeah, that was right, always, right. you know, and I did, you know the, the quintessential quintessential lemonade stand we used to rent a place down here in newport beach and nice. on the boardwalk so a lot of a lot of traffic <laughs> yeah i think i tried to sell my brother one summer and he was irritating me that might have been my most entrepreneurial endeavor I love it. you get some yeah. bids <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was awfully cute, you know, so yeah, I, I, I think imagine. I got shut down, though, on that one. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. What about some of the other jobs that you did? You know, did you sell retail going through high school or, you know, do part-time things during college? Or was it kind of more working in the in the family business by that time? Oh, I did everything. My first hmm. two jobs, this was when I was in Hawaii. One was working at a Penguin's Frozen Yogurt store. Yeah, and then I, I graduated to working at the Thirst Aid Station in the bottom of the Al Moana Mall food court. You know, those oh are really yeah. exciting. And then uh, got a job actually working. It's uh, one of these companies where you do surveys. You know, you would go into, it did mm. surveys at the airport, you know, asking people what cars they rented and, and you know, would go audit banks and things like that. It was, right. that was, that was one of the most awful jobs I had because nobody really wants to talk to you. <laughs> Particularly yeah. out in the hot and the, the humidity no, and everything no. else, right? So, the, you know, but, but it, it teaches you, you know, perseverance yeah. and, and yeah, how absolutely. to approach people. And, and my first, I'll call it good, good job was when I was in college and I went mm. to work for a company called Ambassadors International that my dad was actually nice. running. And I spent the summer in London. Wow, uh, what doing, did they do? Lindsay, tell us about that. It's a great organization. Mm -hmm. It was started back when Dwight Eisenhower was president. And oh. so what they do is they do um, student and adult, basically travel exchange programs. So right. I was working with the students who would um, go spend about 10 days to two weeks um, in different parts of the world. They would do exchanges with other families, but it really wow. was a... a a cultural experience for them to right. go and really a deep dive into the culture. So I would, I was meeting waves of students that were coming in through London and responsible so you work for, them. for the organization that arranged those exchanges. Yes. Oh, yes. awesome. What, what fun. And yeah. it was, yeah, that was really exciting, you know, to live overseas for a summer sure. by my, by yeah. myself. And As have a what, kind 18 of, years old? I mean, how, how old were you at the I time? I would have been, yeah, I probably would have been 18, 19 years 17, old. 18, wow. Fantastic. What a great opportunity. You'd mentioned that your older cousin uh, influenced you towards college. How did you go about, you know, picking that college you went to and, and decide what you, what you wanted to study? 
It was an interesting process. So, I, you know, I was obviously mm. c- coming from Hawaii. Yeah. Because um, you graduated I, there, right? That was your high school. I did. Yep. Mm-hmm. I graduated mm-hmm. from from Hawaii, and I I I had a pretty broad breadth of of colleges I was looking at. I was looking obviously at schools in California. I had a lot of friends, interestingly, that wanted to go to school on the East Coast. Mm. Uh, and my parents were really smart because they took me to visit colleges in the dead of winter. So <laughs> you know it at its worst, right? <laughs> yes, they, they, they wanted me Very to understand smart. that you know four or it's five months of, of my life. Spring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and it was actually my my cousin had gone to Vanderbilt uh, in mm. in in Tennessee, and yeah. so um, she really opened my eyes to to looking at schools in the South. And it was actually my uncle who had said we well, should mm. go look at a school called Wake Forest, and so. It was really during my this you know college visit and in the being winter. there during in the winter uh, it narrowed down it definitely eliminated certain colleges because yeah. one yeah. one one school we couldn't even find so that one was off the list and uh, uh, and I love it. and then it was just good you know to see the culture and 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 really spend that time and I ultimately ended up going to Wake Forest and awesome. it was the perfect fit for me I mean I, I tell kids as they're trying to understand where they want to go. It's like, you need to understand, do you want to be a big school? Do you want to be a small small school? Do you want to go somewhere that has a Greek life? Doesn't have a Greek life. Do you want to be able to walk across campus? Do you not? You know, so doing that visit was really important for me to figure out what was the right fit for me. Cool. Great. And what did you decide to study? I ended up being a communications major. Okay. And was that driven by your need for business or just felt that that was kind of a good fit and decision for you? Yeah, I think when I was looking at it, you know, I knew I, you know, math and science were never my strength. I wasn't planning right. on being a doctor or, you know, anything that required those, um, you know, and, and there was, there was a business major, but again, my, my, my parents, my cousin, people that mentored me, she said, well, you can get your business experience when you actually get a job. And mm. so pick something that's maybe going to be a little bit more universal for you. And I just loved the courses that were part of the communications major. So yeah, it, cool. it was a perfect fit for me. What was the first job you took out of college, Lindsay? I went to work for Anderson Consulting, which ah, is now Accenture. Accenture, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I great went training ground. a fantastic training ground. Yeah. I loved, loved the company, still think very, very highly of it. Did they give you some leadership responsibilities early on or, you know, did you move into management? Were you doing, you know, more consulting? Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, I I worked in their change management consulting division. I don't know if it's still yeah. called that today. Right. I mean, they have incredible training programs. I mean, I think at the the core. I mean, it might be one of the best companies when I think of in terms of the training that they they give you. Yeah. From a management standpoint, I I wouldn't call it traditional management where I I was managing people from the Anderson Consulting side. But what was unique about it is the whole the whole premise behind change management is you've got organizations that have hired you that are going through major change. So whether that's right. implementing new technology systems or there's a merger and an acquisition. So my sort of, I'll call it first taste of management was actually managing the clients and and really, you know, having to understand how to manage the project, the process, and really the emotions behind it. I felt like sure. I was more of a glorified um, therapist more than anything because <laughs> people don't like change. And so, that's you know, right. you really have to sit and listen and understand what's so disruptive about the project that's taking place and then being be able to figure out how you kind of move through that. Yeah, yeah. cool. So it was a, it was a great company. 
Do you remember the first time you started managing people? Was it there at Accenture or was it later in your ambassador program or, or since you've joined uh, Preferred? It, it was it was after I left uh, Anderson and okay. I ended up going to work for Ambassadors International. Right. And that was and the company you did the internship with, right? Same same organization. It it was, but it had changed. It so, changed. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. So ambassadors, <laughs> there there was there was a couple parts to that uh, organization. There was the student and travel piece, and then there was an incentive travel piece to it. And then oh. they actually had a they had a, a golf company, and they had a a, a large I call it meetings and conventions business. So I actually ended up initially starting helping in their golf division mm, and cool. they had acquired Are you a golfer a, yourself? I'm a very bad golfer. <laughs> but we would, Enough to appreciate it, right? <laughs> yeah, we were running these great golf trips all over the globe and uh, they had acquired this and I ended up managing the the, the team that had, had been acquired. And it, I remember one of, one of the people I had to manage was much older than me. And so that was, mm -hmm. yeah, um, that's, a that's, that's a huge hurdle to, yeah. to get over when you're, when you're, when you're new at management. Right, right. Tell me a little bit about that. What were some of the challenges that you faced in that particular situation and managing folks that are older than you? Well, I, I, one is their perception. You know, obviously mm -hmm. they've, they're, sure. they've. Who's this young they, kid? Yeah, uh -huh. who's this young kid? What yeah. do they know? Um, you know, I'm much older. I've got more experience, which which in reality is very true. Right. On the flip side, the reason why I was, I was put in charge to manage was I was also probably a better you know, better financially, you know, in terms of management, great sure. communication skills. I'd come out of a change management, right. you know, these, these, Practice, these consulting yeah. roles. And this was yeah. where we were trying to turn this business around. It had been acquired when it was under in trouble. And so that was one of my strengths. And again, for me, it was, I learned, you just have to listen a lot and understand what the complaints are and then figure out mm. how to get over that obstacle. But it was, right. it took a lot of patience. It took a lot of time. And I think also to understand, I, I respected this, this person, you know, I knew right. that they had more experience than I did. So it was just kind of, how do you, how do you partner to figure out how to leverage the best, you know, the best of, of both of sure. our skill sets? When you look time. back at, yeah, sure. When you look at back at some of those early years when you first started managing people, what what do you remember again? What were some of the lessons that you took away that you think you still use today? I mean, time management's a huge piece of mm -hmm. it. It's so yeah. easy to get stuck in, in the weeds. Particularly um, to, in your industry, right? Because it's, yeah, it's a 24 there's a, there's 7 a lot job. Of details. And, yeah, right. Yep. It's inter international, so time zones. Sometimes yep. you think it's easier to do it yourself than than to show somebody else how to do it and, sure. and get out of the way. Uh, yeah, I also think just honest feedback, like the setting of clear mm -hmm. expectations. You know, that's I, I think as a new manage, manager, and it's not something you're taught in school. How do you that's tell true. somebody? Here's yeah. my expectations. Here's right. how I'm going to measure it. Here's how I'm going to follow up. And then how do you have those conversations if it's not going well? Because it's easy yeah. to have it when they're going well. Right. So I still remember that being the hardest part is just you know working late at night and being like, why am I doing this? How do I how do I change this behavior? Because right. Right. that it just it can it can burn you out very very quickly. So often, too, as a young manager, you know, we tend to do the cookie cutter approach, right? We find something that works with someone, so we try to use that with everyone, and we quickly find that that really doesn't work very well. Exactly, <laughs> everybody's motivated experience. by different things. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we've all had good bosses, and we probably have had a few bad bosses as we've gone through our careers. I'm sure the same's with you. Uh, same has been with you. With, without mentioning any names, if you look back at maybe some bosses who. You know, maybe need a little bit of help. Is there any behaviors or things that you saw in them 
And again, you don't have to mention who they are. Um, sure. That you said, you know, gosh, I'm I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to be different because I sure didn't like the way I felt when that person did yeah. this or or observing that. Was there any any of those types of lessons early on? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody has some sort of experience, and there's two oh, yeah. that stand out for me. One is people <laughs> yeah. who manage by fear, right? They yeah. they yeah. they want to scare you. So it's right. it's right. it's the stick, not the carrot, and mm. um, you know. Never worked long term. No, yeah. and you know, you know, verbally, you know, saying something that's not right in front of a a, a group of people. You know, I, I think that that's some some people like to manage that way. They think right. if they're scared right. of me and I can intimidate them, then, then they'll get what they want. And I think the other thing was, you know, this concept of of walking the walk. You know, do as I do, don't do as I say. And I think that to me, it's it's always really undermining when you know, as a, as a leader or manager, yeah. you're they're saying one thing, but they're doing another. And, you right, know, so it's right. just, it's, it's in conflict. And I so think that hypocritical. that critical. Yeah. Yeah. So those were, those were it. two things early on. I remember yeah. thinking this just doesn't seem right. One of the things that I, it, it always bugged me. And I saw this often. I worked for two big companies, Procter and Gamble and Disney in my career is, is the, you know, criticize in private praise in public. Yes. How many CEOs get that mixed up? Yes. <laughs> do it the yes. other way around, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, and it's like, come on, no, you know, now is not the time to talk about John and, you know, what he failed at. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, so you've been 16, almost 16 years with your current company. You started in, as a VP role and have grown up through it. Tell us a little bit about that journey. When you first joined, uh, was you, were you on the trajectory to, to make it to the corner office? Was it something you had to, you know, work hard at to, to achieve? Give, give us a little bit of synopsis yeah. of your, your journey there at Preferred Hotels. It, yeah, it's it's been a great journey. No, I when I f- first joined the company, I mean, I was I was very intrigued when my family acquired this company. Yeah. Um, but I, no, I did. I, there was no vision to be to be the CEO. I just knew I, I liked the company. Mm. I started actually initially setting up our Newport Beach office and. In a role was now what we would call regional director. So I, I had a, a territory where I was responsible mm. for meeting with our clients, uh, making sure they were happy, bringing on new clients. And then over the years, I mean, I wore so many hats in, mm. in the organization over probably the first six, seven years of, of my time here. You know, I slowly took on new responsibilities, you know, whether it was running um uh, you know, overseeing our events team, overseeing IT technology. I'm still, I can't believe that ever happened, but I know mm. just uh, just enough to, <laughs> to, to to be, I guess, thoughtful yet dangerous. Um, you know, I launched our, I ended up launching a new brand for the company. We launched awesome. a, a boutique brand. And he said, I, I, I started taking on more and more responsibility of other functions. So I was right. really learning right. the business um, over that, that period of time. And, uh, you know, at about, Gosh, seven, eight years into it, um, we hired an outside consultant slash coach. I had asked for an executive coach to right. to really help me figure out, Develop, yeah. you know, kind of what what was next for me. Yeah. And uh, he was great because he spent a lot of time with me. He interviewed a lot of other people in the organization, and and when it came down to it, that was when he said, you know, people they trust you, they respect you, they mm. want to see you move into leadership roles. But I think you need to move to Chicago to do that. Huh. So. I and that was that. That's been the headquarters, correct? That was the headquarters yeah. until very, very recently. So right. I right. moved moved to Chicago and took on um, the role of president at that point in time. Mm. That was when I moved into that role because it was um, he'd said that that was that was the feedback they were getting from many people. So did that and traveled the globe. That was when I spent a lot of time now really traveling and spending time in the mm. field. Yeah. And after 
um, several years of doing that, I actually moved back to Southern California and and then and then ultimately took on the the CEO role. And it's been history from there, but it's, it's been it's yeah. been a journey. I could yeah, see that's you know, awesome. Now, it, tell us a little bit about what preferred hotels and resorts do, and then and then reflect if it if the models changed at all during those sixteen years because companies do yeah. evolve. So, give us a little feel for that, and and you know, kind of how many employees you know you're you're spanning sure. business. Sure. Um, so, preferred hotels and resorts is uh, a brand that that basically works with hotel management companies, developers, or hotel owners mm -hmm. that want to operate their hotel was what we call independently. They don't want to be part part of a major chain. They don't want to be mostly a Hilton boutiques. Or, then, right? Mostly boutique um, hotels, or not in terms a, of size, yeah, but size, but mm -hmm. some. I think people could define it that way because they think of boutiques as, as one of a kind, and that's what our right. hotels are. There's no yeah, yeah. there's no hotel that's the same as the other, which is very different right. from the chains. So yeah, yeah. Um, we're unique because we don't own or manage the hotels, but we do just about everything else that a major mm. brand would do. We do all their global sales and marketing, their reservations, their loyalty program. Um, we've got you know, brand standards, so they've got to meet the quality. So we we basically mm. provide all the infrastructure that they need without mandating certain things. So that's great, and they do what, that exclusively with you, right? They it's do that like exclusively they, with yeah, us, yeah, correct? Awesome. So it's yeah. so you're kind of their like, outsourced marketing rewards program preferred sale. Do you do the, the handle the sales as well and the bookings and so forth, or is we, that through them? We do. So I'd say yeah. we're the best way to describe it is we're an extension of their sales team. So yeah, right, they'll, they, right. they'll, they might have, uh, depending on the size of the property, they might have one or two on-site salespeople. But but if you think about it, most hotels, they need business outside their own backyard and in a lot of cases internationally. So we've got, to give you a sense of the scale, we've got 750 hotels wow. around the globe. We're in 85 countries. We've got 35 offices where our people are located. Mm. And we're about 350 associates. So we're we're out there literally selling our hotels, you know, internationally, yeah. helping mar market them globally but also within their region and, and providing all all that infrastructure that they would sure. need. And that model stayed pretty much the same Lindsay since the 16 years or so you've been there. Uh, it, it's, the Evolving company has that. changed quite a bit. I mean, yeah. we've had a lot of scale when we, when we bought the company, it was probably a third of the size and, yeah, sure. and I think what's changed is there's a lot of consolidation in the marketplace. And so for right. those that aren't, you know, paying attention to the travel industry, there's been a lot of, um, mergers and consolidation of major chains, Starwood, you know, or Mar Marriott acquiring Starwood. Right. And there's right. been a, a lot of that that's happening. So consolidation. It, yeah. and they've all gotten into a version of what we do. So they've all launched mm. their their version of a independent brand right. for lack of a, of, of a better term. And so it's created um, a different type of competition for us, mm. which has been great because it's it's made us focus on how we continue to stay nimble right. and evolve. And, and stay distinctive. And, yeah, yeah. And our business yeah. models changed a lot. So we've, we've, we've launched new divisions. We've launched um, new subsections of right. our business. So, um, and I think that that's where, like I said, being privately held, you know, family run, yeah. you, you can be a lot more nimble and we're, right. you know, we can make those decisions. So it has changed, but at the core, our business is about representing independent luxury hotels. Awesome. Still having fun? I'm having a great time. I mean, I, I mean, the, the the beginning of our ideology, which is kind of our culture statement, is is believe in travel, and mm. and I believe in it more than ever. We have we've built an incredible team. 
you know, I get to live my passion every day. Yeah, so it's, I'm awesome. in a great spot. So thinking about your time now in the corner office, I, I heard it said recently that it can be sometimes uncomfortable having your answers questioned rather than your questions answered as a CEO. Have <laughs> <laughs> you been in yeah. that situation? And if so, how do you handle that? Well, you know, I tell people the the biggest thing I've learned about leadership over time is it is not my job to have have the answers. It's mm. it's my job to help make decisions. Yeah. And I have built a leadership team that I'm really proud of because we have a lot of honest dialogue and I tell awesome. them I there's no one person that 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 can that can do this, you know. So I rely heavily on them. So I don't I don't mind having my answers questioned. I actually think it's healthy, good. and I yeah. think that's why the diversity of my leadership team is good. Whether that's age, whether it's right. geographical, yeah. I think it, yeah. it provides a lot of healthy perspective. Right. So I think um, you don't need again, to be the smartest person in the room. It sounds like no, I'm not. <laughs> I sh- I, the, the best thing I do, my greatest talent, is hiring people that are smarter than me. Awesome. So awesome. I've always said that that's that's an important gift to have and and to acknowledge that's even more important. You talked a little bit about culture and, you know, with a family business, that's so important, but you know, you're the CEO, you're the person that's really responsible for steering that company culture. How do you do that? How do you build that and continue to grow, particularly given the growth you've been through and it sounds like your continued expansion? Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and, it, and it, the hardest challenge is when you do grow, when you're smaller, it's easier to have that, that culture. And we, you know, we started right. out as a, you know, I, we, we still do. We look at our associates as an extension of our family. Mm. We've created an ideology that, so it's not core values. It really is. It's a living, breathing ideology. And, and every week we, we practice that. We know we tell our management team, pick one line of the ideology and talk about that, whether yeah. it's, you know, um, being curious or, um, you know, trust. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I, I travel extensively. So does, mm-hmm, so does my, mm-hmm. my, my parents who are still involved in the company. So I mean, I think mm-hmm. that the actual physically seeing people, and being out people. Yeah. is, is yeah. important. Right. Um, and we, we use a lot of different things throughout the organization, I think, to really build that trust, keep communications, whether that's, I do a monthly or quarterly what's update. So it's mm. the entire, global team where I talk about where we stand on goals. We acknowledge successes in the team. We talk about things that are happening in the industry. And it's an open forum for people to ask questions to interviewing an associate once a week. So people yeah, really get to know yeah. their global team too. There's awards and recognition. And I think that there's a lot of different ways in which you build that company culture, but it really comes down to reinforcing it through a lot of different avenues. And I think- right. You know, we we like being a, a family business, but we also really celebrate, you know, entrepreneurship. And so we yeah. want to hire people that that think and and act as if they were running their own business. Yeah. And I think that that creates a lot of fun, a lot of freedom. Yeah. Um, what would you say is most unusual or or perhaps unique about preferred hotels and resorts, Lindsay? I do think that people like that it's a family business. I think mm. they do feel like they, they, they feel very connected to the family. We're not, we're not um, owners or leaders who aren't, who are detached from the business. We're very, very involved. Right. Um, I think we definitely do celebrate entrepreneurship. And I think mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. for the for people who like that. I think we're a playful company. I think mm. that we have a lot of fun. We really have to be. Right? Yeah. We like to celebrate that. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think being a global company is also, keeps it very fun and interesting. And I think yeah. being in the travel industry, which for the most part is 
I tell people I'm the chief happiness officer. Of my, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's about you know it's those travel creates memories and moments, sure. and I think that that's sure, a fun special. business to, fun business yeah. to be in. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's a combination of all of those things, and and really because I'm amazed we've had people that have been with the company 25 plus years. Mm. Um, you know, it's I think that they just feel very connected. I think they yeah. feel that they're part of a larger global family. Awesome. Um, you say that you do some interviewing, and I'm sure you interview your direct staff, but it sounds like you get involved yeah. in others. What, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Yeah, it's a great question because I, it's funny, I I, I rarely look at resumes until after the interview's yeah. over because I think that, Well, you hope they've been vetted before you see yeah, them, Yeah, right? but I you also know, think anybody can, anybody can, you know, pad a resume, but I, I, I believe true. in hire, hiring <laughs> slow and firing fast, right? You know, take right. your time to hire. Yeah. Good, and then good, if, good principle. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I'm looking for, I'm looking for people that are, you know, have a curiosity, you know, that they're mm. curious, looking for passion. I'm looking for cultural fit, for sure. Right. Um, right. I think I'm looking for people that are, problem solvers. So really kind of understanding how they deal with adversity, you know, how right. they would overcome problems. Uh, you know, looking for people that like I said have that a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit mm. as well. And I think I, I like a much more conversational type of of interview, really getting to understand them, who they are, what drives them. Yeah. Those are awesome. those are usually the things I'm really yeah. looking for. Well, Lindsay, time has just flown by, but we have, we've got one last question we ask all our CEO guests. And what, what career and life advice would you give to someone who has their own eyes on their corner office someday? Yeah, I kind of live by a few key principles. You know, I'd say um, certainly as you're, as you're kind of going through that, that career path, you know, raise your hand for new projects. You know, mm, don't, be, yeah. don't be afraid to ask, you know, ask for the next yeah. project, you know, to be yeah. involved. I've always said, be authentic, be grateful, be humble. Mm. I think those are important to being yeah. uh, good leaders. Um, I say never stop learning. I think being curious is mm. always important to, to growth. And and then build trust. I mean, I think that, that that starts at a very young part of your career is, you know, building trust with your peers and your managers, right. I think is critical ultimately to, to getting you to that that corner office because if people don't trust you, they're not going to follow you. Well, Lindsay Broth, Chief Executive Officer of Hotel, Preferred Hotels and Resorts, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.